We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I don't have nearly enough time to list all the tasty ways you can enjoy chicken at McDonald's, but I'll give it a go. The always flavorful Chicken McNuggets made with all white meat chicken or the savory buttermilk crispy tenders battered to perfection or all the familiar and exotic flavors of the signature crafted recipes, including the new garlic white cheddar chicken sandwich with grilled or crispy chicken drizzled with creamy garlic aioli. I have to cut it short here, but you have time on your side. So go and savor every bite of your chicken. McDonald's. Chicken how you like it. I participate in McDonald's. This is, this is, this is, this is. Heat beat, heat beat, heat beat. With Giancarlo Navas and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. With me today is not Giancarlo Navas because he is enjoying his pleasant experience down under in Italy, if he's currently there right now. I have no idea where he is right now. Somewhere down on wait, wait, did you say down? I, under I really don't Italy? know where he is. <laughs> even, even, <laughs> this is going I mean, so great. Honestly, this podcast no, no, no. at the same time. <laughs> Honestly, this podcast is either gonna be lit or <laughs> so <laughs> that should be well, the name of the podcast. Well, we got a name already, yeah. <laughs> with the poop emoji, right? So with me today is Lace. We got Alf954, we got Alex Toledo and Harrison Citrin. Alongside me, what's up, guys? Yo, what's up? Hey, when you go back and edit this, can you edit out my last name? Appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, continue. I don't mean to, to derail us. <laughs> <laughs> the first podcast, he gives my whole name. I'm like, yo, we're not doing governments. I thought. Who are all those Twitter handles? Awesome. Well, what you, Sorry, what is your name gonna be when you when you're doing big things for uh for for uh, for uh yeah for uh, you, you need like a pen name. You need- <laughs> Listen, I will Alpha nine four five Alpha nine five four will disappear and I will emerge somebody else that no one's ever heard of. Samuel right. Jackson. 
Just call yourself Man yeah. in the Shadows. Yeah. So we have Leif and we have Alf, but I don't think the listener doesn't know who else is here. <laughs> and Brian. And me. Alex. This is so hard, guys. I've never done this before. No, you did fine. You introduced everybody. <laughs> let's just start with some topics. Alex? No, let's just start with some topics. No. Just get we this going. We also have Team Petty President Harrison. Yeah, and I'm here. The most said- tropical of blankets. Alex. Alex, no, where did Tropical Blanket come from? Yeah, actually, I want to ask you that. Where the hell does that name originate from? Uh, there's a long story, but I'm going to cut that down and just say it started when I was in eighth grade, believe it or not. And it. basically, I mean... Is that a name sure. of like a gang or something? <laughs> I'm not sure if this is appropriate or not. But Okay, so it is confirmed. <laughs> All right, so Moving on. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it was about to be a good story. Hey. Come on, inappropriate story. Go ahead. <laughs> I go ahead? Yeah. In eighth grade, my friends asked me, we, we were doing a thing where uh try to come up with your most creative, like, porn star name or something like that. <laughs> and I don't know how I came up with Tropical Blanket. I guess I was looking at my surroundings, and it just, and it stayed with me. Some people started calling me that, and I was too lazy. To, I didn't know how to change my Twitter name. That's just how I started it. And, you know, it just became a thing, and I stayed with it. So your All porn right. star name is Tropical Blanket. I guess so. Okay. All it's right. good you have a it's good you have a girlfriend. <laughs> have you told her the story? <laughs> not sure. Does she listen to the podcast? Probably not. <laughs> but you know what? I mean <laughs> it's good to lie to people sometimes with terrible stories. I prefer the gang story more. What kind of gang would have a guy named Tropical Blanket in it? I don't know. <laughs> Some, gang south, gang. Some, some Southwest gang. Miami. Yeah, the gang initiation would just last the whole time. They'd just be beating his ass the entire time. <laughs> oh, a tropical blanket. Gang name. Uh, All right, Brian. All right, let's play Lucky Wheel Sound. <laughs> I'm sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Woo. Oh, are, oh, 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 what's going to land on? What's, what's going to land on? Oh. I don't know. I miss anime. Dude, <laughs> about to die. <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, <laughs> All right, so it came up on what? Final it came three. up on Katie to Miami talk. Okay, good. Oh. Katie to Miami. Who's got an opinion? <laughs> I don't have one. I'll go with Leif first. Me first. Uh, I mean, it's it's unlikely. And, you know, it's awesome to talk about and think about. I don't know that how necessarily realistic it is, but... The people that were saying that it's impossible or that it's just ridiculous to even talk about, I think they're also kind of uh, selling us short a little bit. Um, You know, I kind of addressed most of that on the timeline this a.m., but, you know, overall, I'm still realistic that, you know, it's probably going to be a one-on-one in OKC. But if he is going to look elsewhere, I don't see why Miami isn't as attractive a destination as any of the other teams. I was actually thinking about that, like, if if he were to leave OKC, which to me, I don't think I think that's his his best option is to sign a one and one. I think that most people agree with that. But if he was to leave OKC, what are his best options? And is there a better option than Miami? Because looking at it, I don't see why if you were to leave OKC, why you would stay in the West. And if you're not going to stay in the West, you're going to go to the East. Where are you going to go in the East? I think the two most attractive options are Miami and Boston, but. I feel like for a guy like KD, he wants proven commodities, which Boston 
has very little of, you know, I'm not going to play with a bunch of fat guys and Isaiah Thomas if I'm KD and a bunch of draft picks. That's not really what's appealing. They do have assets to go after somebody else, but I don't know. To me, For me, if you were going to leave OKC, the best place to go would be Miami. Would you think he would consider Boston if they got DeMarcus Cousins, say in the draft, maybe they trade a number three pick and their other first rounders? Would that become more of a, a destination for him, you think, having a big man like that? And you still have a solid point guard in Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, I mean, obviously bringing over uh, Cousins would make Boston more attractive. I mean, I think Boston's attractive because they have a good coach, regardless of what people make fun of Brad Stevens. They they have some good players there. They have a ton of assets they can use to acquire talent, but at the moment, it's a lot of assets in a pretty poor draft. So, And they're also the number three pick in a draft that's really everyone wants the top two. So, yeah, I mean, if he's going east, it's probably Miami or Boston. He'll either stay in OKC or I think the Spurs are always an uh, an option. Um, I'm not sure what – I don't know a lot about KD as a person and if he wants most of the credit if they do eventually win. So I don't know what happens if he goes to a team like the Spurs that have Kawhi and um, Aldr- Aldridge. But, but, I mean, there aren't a lot of options. That's why, as Leif was saying, the one-and-one one has made the most sense for a while. It made the most sense – uh, regardless of the result of this past series. Uh, I just saw today that if KD opts in for, or if he signs a one and one and then approaches free agency next offseason, he can make $50 million more dollars over the life of the contract. So just from a, both a money standard and looking at lining up free agency with Westbrook and other people that he might want to maybe team up with, if OKC doesn't work out, it makes sense to go back to OKC for one more year. Alex? Uh, is the KD to uh, Golden State option still a thing? Because um, I guess it it might get downplayed since they played each other. Maybe there's some sort of uh, rivalry going on there. But uh, Wolves reported this a few months back. And as much as I don't want it to happen, or many other people don't want it to happen, why wouldn't that be one of his top three options? It's a, a great city, especially since they're going to be moving to San Francisco. Uh, championship team. They're the best team in the league. Uh, play with a young core, play with a great coach. They have they have it all, all of it. I, I think you're basically asking Kevin Durant at that time to make a decision to become an even, to, to step further back from the spotlight than Chris Bosh even did when he came to Miami. I mean, like you become, it, let, let's say they're the back-to-back champions and then Kevin Durant shows up. While that may be a good basketball move and it could turn out to be a, you know, a run, a dynasty, if you're talking about his individual legacy, you're, I don't think people are going to necessarily point to Durant as being the defining piece that changed things in, in Golden State. So, I mean, if he really is all about winning, if that truthfully is the number one thing, then obviously Golden State and San Antonio are probably, you know, 1A, 1B, but... um that's the thing about, you know, earlier today, I, there was just so much talk about why would he leave or, or why would he come to Miami? And then, you know, things spin off of that, like how our roster would be constructed. How do you fit it under the cap? There's so many things that we just we don't know what's going through that dude's head. And if he just wants to, to be out, then that can kind of change a lot of stuff. And if he chooses your city, you just make it happen. So, you know. Maybe he would choose one of those teams, but I just feel like he would really be – he might get ridiculed for going and piggybacking off Golden State. Yeah, I think that would be looked at as such a punk move. The only way I could see that 
uh, being accepted a little bit. Like, let's say Cleveland wins in, like, dominant fashion. I mean, a sweep, and it's not close. And then you can actually justify it. Oh, Golden State needs Kevin Durant to get over the Cleveland hump. That's the only way I could see that happening. And it would still be looked at as a, as, as a punk move by most people. But, I mean, does he care about that? I don't know. Um, I, he kind of does seem to care about public perception. Um, I think he does like this nice guy image that he has, even though I don't think it's, it's factual at all. I think he's kind of a prick. Which is also why maybe I could see him doing one of these moves. I mean, like, like Leif is saying, you don't know what's going through the guy's head. Like, <clears throat> maybe he's tired of Oklahoma City. I mean, would that be surprising <laughs> that a twenty-something-year-old black man is tired of living in Oklahoma City? I'm I'm tired of him living in Oklahoma City, and I don't even I've never even been there. I'm just I just can't imagine how anybody would want to live in such a terrible, terrible place. You and your slander, man. What's that? Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on, Oklahoma City. Like you, you I mean, got some place to attack every single podcast. You're running out of places dude. and names. Well, I, I I also think anything outside of South Florida is trash. So yeah. that kind of that kind of colors yeah. my opinion. Except Green Beach, right? Yeah, and I felt better about my petty pettiness after I read that article uh, about the Seattle fans rooting against the Thunder. <laughs> so Ooh. I mean, they were just one guy was saying. You know, he wanted them to get swept, but once they're up three one, it actually worked out better that they that they ended up uh, losing because he, he felt better about uh, about them blowing a three one lead. So, oh wait, can I say something that really bothers me on Twitter? Because I don't oh. understand the moment. Wait, I think, the, I think Brian it. has to spend the wheel first. No, no, no go for don't, it. Don't ever, don't ever touch that wheel again. I have a feeling you have an actual wheel there. Um. I w- the moment the Thunder lost yesterday, people were like, "Oh, OKC didn't blow it. The you know the Warriors are just a better team." I think I don't know why two things can't exist at one time. Like, yeah, the Warriors hit every three they could because they're a great three point shooting team, and the Thunder, who were pretty hot from three in the beginning of the series, started to you know average Whoa. more towards their rank during the season, but. You know, the end of game six where that fourth quarter was atrocious from both Durant and Westbrook. Westbrook had the most turnovers ever in a set in a in a ser- in a series with thirty one. Um so you know, the Warriors could have played really well and the Thunder could have kind of blown it. Those two those two I things are not what, mutually exclusive. I think what happened when things got tight, both of them became who they really are. Golden State started hitting every shot and Oklahoma City went reverted back to fourth quarter. Don't really know what they're running. Bad offense. Russell Westbrook making terrible decisions. Uh, KD getting a little bit uh, timid at times. Um, and then other times also forcing bad shots. No ball movement. No, in, no involving the big men. It was, it just, they both kind of, uh, it was like a regression to the mean progression to the mean almost for both teams and at the end of the day that's why they say in a seven game series a better team normally wins because with that kind of sample size the the real teams are are eventually going to show up yeah and, I, and go ahead i was just going to say that you know it's when you look at the when you look at uh, clay and curry i mean if if you were if you were just knew a little bit about basketball the shots they take are just insanely crazy shots but it's they hit them and so it's hard to argue that it's not that it's not a good shot when they're hitting shots and they're running back down court because they know they're good whereas 
uh, Westbrook and Durant are taking shots that, you know, Westbrook, uh, Durant had a very, a very poor series from three and Westbrook's not a three point shooter. So when they pull up with 16 seconds left on the shot clock, taking these long three pointers, it's just crazy that, uh, I mean, I don't want I mean, I guess I'll trash Billy Donovan later on in the podcast, but, uh, you know, at some that, point <laughs> someone's got to, someone's got to tell these guys that's not acceptable. That's not an acceptable well, play. And that, that's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, from the Heat's perspective, because obviously that's where we always try to trace it back to, that series probably unfolded exactly the way that, and and others have said this, I'm not saying anything that you don't know, but it unfolded exactly the way that the Heat would hold if they were ever going to make a pitch to Durant. Um, But the thing that people aren't talking about as much is, and Alf said a lot of it, Harrison did too, um, the way that they are utilizing Durant and Westbrook and the way that they're maximizing Durant specifically, since that's the whale. Um, I think that like, it's fun to think about Riley and Spoh's pitch to KD and what that would entail. And I know that a lot of it would be, you know, predicated on winning and, and culture and the city and, and all of that, but also the way that they could use that guy. You saw when he, when he locked in on defense, his length, how much it bothered Steph. Like imagine if he was, if you're able to harness that and he can, um, you're, you know, blitzing pick and rolls and switching with Winslow, stuff like that. Little parts of the game, even, I mean, I would love to fantasize about Chris Bosh in those scenarios too. Um, Just the versatility of all that is a huge uh, on-court pitch that I don't think every other team that's being discussed in the Eastern Conference has to, uh, to bring to the table with Durant. Well, and that's off of what Harrison said when he's talking about he could trash Billy Donovan later. Later, Like, I don't blame Billy Donovan's scheme. At some point, these two guys are killing coaches because it seems like they have a good game plan for three and a half quarters. And then, I mean, then these guys just start going off script. So, I mean, is it, is it bad coaching? Or they, maybe they can't get through to, to the players. Um but when you think about it, who has proven that he can get through to these guys? I mean, I may sound like a homer, but but Spo really is maybe the best coach for KD at this point because Spo at this point does have cachet. He's a championship coach, and he's proven before that. Listen, you just listen to me and my coaching staff. All you know, all this, all this, all that stuff in your past that's haunted you. We can turn some of that around, and we can we can get you into the post, or we can make you make you a better defender. Uh, we can turn you into a champion. I mean, Riley does have that in his arsenal when he's going to sit down and talk to KD. Like we have done this before. Not on the other hand, is that a detriment? Be like, oh yeah, we'll do we'll do for you what we did for LeBron, and then now you know how KD doesn't like to be second to LeBron. I mean, so I don't I, – I, that's that's the part of the whole thing where we're all looking at it like we can do for KD – we can do for KD what we did for LeBron. But that also might be the biggest detriment in getting Kevin Durant to Miami. Well, it's interesting because I was listening to the Ethan Skolnick podcast today – or not the podcast, the radio show today. And he was mentioning how possibly that, that the whole pitch that Raleigh would give him is whether he wants to finish his career like Carmelo Anthony – where he's pretty much is getting scoring titles and not really in championship contention anymore. I mean, he had that one playoff season with the Knicks. He was like the number two seed or whatnot. But still, like, his career could pretty much end up exactly like Bernard King, Carmelo Anthony. You can name a bunch of other scorers that 
haven't really won anything. And I feel like at that point, wouldn't you think he probably doesn't see Russell Westbrook as that exact 1A or 1B that would take him to that championship every single year? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. That's why I think the discussion, if uh, if KD does let Riley let uh, you know come and talk to Riley, I really think that it, I really think Riley would would say take the one year deal and we'll come back next year. Like um, I think, I mean, obviously Riley would want him now if if he could. The only issue is that splitting up the like you obviously want to retain Whiteside because it's a better team with Whiteside on it. And you're trying to bring bring KD to a to a team that can contend. So without Whiteside, that's that's rough. Um, so I know you know I've seen on Twitter. Oh yeah, you'd obviously take KD over Whiteside, which you would. KD is the better player uh, with uh, probably still more upside than uh, Whiteside. But you want you want all those guys together. You want. I mean, you obviously are hoping for a healthy Chris Bosh. You want. You want the last few years of Wade. You want Whiteside. That's the team you want to you want to roll with and you want to compete against Cleveland with. So, I think it's more about it's more about next summer, and it's why I think the free agency period is going to be pretty slim. And just to go off of what Alpha's saying, um, the the biggest thing that Spo's done in his career is he's really been able to connect with the players. I mean, I make fun of the Spoisms because I think sometimes they're pretty stupid. I don't even know if he knows what he's saying half the time. But they tend they tend to work uh, with the players and people buy in. And even though LeBron, when the Heat were nine and eight in the first season, he's bumping shoulders with Spolstra and he's trying to get him out from behind the scene. Uh, Spo's ability to get those teams to buy in together, a guy who's as um, who is as egotistical as LeBron to buy in to a team game where he was playing. I mean, LeBron during his first three years in Miami was some of the best defense you've ever seen a person play in your life. Uh, the way he could shut down the opposing player, regardless of size or speed, was Not really so a testament. No, he doesn't care anymore, and it really is a testament to Spo and his ability to to get guys to truly buy into their potential. No, it's funny what you're saying about buy-in, and it's something I've noticed. Guys who play for Spo, whether whether I don't know if they know it or they even after they leave, like LeBron, still sounds like Spo sometimes. Correct. Like that I was stuff, say that. Yeah. Dude, that stuff gets ingrained in them, man. Like, and they, and I know LeBron left, and he had some he had some differences with Spo, but now he's over there, and he still sounds like Spo, which is crazy to me. Well, and and also when when you talk about sounding like guys, now you're going to hear a whole bunch of Memphis Grizzlies sounding like Spo, <laughs> and um, that's kind of like the Riley thing. That's where that really starts from, and I don't know where Riley you know picked it up, but he says a lot of what you may look at to be cliche phrases and and stuff that's kind of corny, but you say it enough times, and people kind of are applying it to everyday, you know, uh, basketball functions, and eventually those guys end up repeating those same phrases years down the line. Um, so we do have that going for us, having having a coach like that, uh, the connecting with the players. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that changes when with Fizz gone, because he was really like the, the good cop that would be the extension to the coach. Like he could go uh, – like, you know, not to make this a race thing, but he could go in the middle of the brothers and tell them what's up and, um, like, maybe deliver so it to him in a way. So can Chris Quinn. I mean, <laughs> you try to tell me Quinn, he doesn't have that same effect. 
well, <laughs> my point is really that I don't necessarily see Spo as that guy who walks up and says, yo, did you hear that new K-Dot track? But, yo, let's do Pace and Space. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Whereas Fizz maybe had a little bit more of ability to, to bridge that gap. So I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm kind of getting off topic here to see how uh, how that connection continues between the team and the players. UD to the bench. Where he, be he needs to be a coach. How do you guys know it'll go? What? UD as an assistant coach. How do you how do you think he'd do it that job? Same way Juwan is. I mean. He's gonna have to control himself now. He can't just be, you know, doing what he usually does. Chairs over the court like Bob Knight. Wait, wait, wait. Have you seen the way our coaching staff conducts itself? I don't know. If he, I don't know if he would have to control himself. I mean, we're screaming at players, shooting threes, clapping, running on the court. Our coaching staff doesn't really comport itself all the time with the most uh, <laughs> with the most professional. Yeah, Spo, Spo almost took Luol Deng out. You know, he went right <laughs> after him. <laughs> yeah, man, they they get hyped up Side over there. there. <laughs> Jawan, they all get pretty hyped up. So I think you need to write in. Plus, like if you look at a lot of the practice, like when they shoot, when they have like little videos at practice and and they have pictures from practice, UD is always out there working with guys on post up on defense on pick and roll D. He's like right there with Jawan Howard running guys through drills. He's basically, he's almost a coach at this point, kind of like how Jawan was at the end of his career where the guy was basically uh, just another coach, you know, re- ready to put on a uniform if necessary. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I don't care if Haslam is the 15th man or the coach. I mean, for, for a minimum contract, it's, it's just worth having him around the bench for what he can provide. Um, to the rookies, to other players. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I just don't want to spend any more than that on UD. But, yeah, um, he can do what he wants. That's what Riley said. So, uh, it's more like just, I really can't have Joe Johnson on the team next year. I will not. <laughs> on the I record, right? On the record. I'm going to be so disappointed, Harrison. I have a feeling he's going to. But they said he wants more back. than a mini mid level. Like, he wants more yeah, than what, like 2.9 mil. I mean, maybe. yeah, he probably. I don't. I just can't. Uh, I mean, maybe, guys, maybe, maybe. Maybe. I wouldn't give him more than that. I, but I don't think any. I think other teams. What do you think? OKC wouldn't give I him. I wouldn't. That I wouldn't kind give of him a dollar. I mean, there was what yeah. six, seven, eight pursuers when he got bought out. He'll get no, more I mean, elsewhere. Hopefully, he yes. does. Steve Kyler um, of I think it's Basketball Insiders. I think that's where he's from. Hopefully, I credited him correctly. Um, he, you know, he was running salaries, and I was, I was, I was throwing him names just to see what he, what he said, and um, I think he was being a little generous, obviously, with some of this, but uh, I mean, he said Joe Johnson, Luol Deng, Dwayne Wade are all fifteen million plus guys, uh, and I know that there'll be so many teams that need to get to the salary cap floor uh, that are going to just spend, and it may be one year deals uh, with you know high salaries just to spend that money. Um, so it, it makes for an interesting off season, and I know we've talked a lot about it. But the more that a, 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 as we get close and we throw around these Durant ideas, um, it's going to be pretty compelling to watch us figure out how to just keep the team we already have now. Yeah, but Steve's a little off because he was saying that he thought he thought uh, Jakeem Noah was a twenty million dollar player coming off an injury. So what? Yep, he was saying that yesterday. So. I think he's a little inflated. I, I listen. I get it, right? Salary cap is going up. Guys that 
would be making uh, $10 million or probably more in the 13 14 possibly $15 million range, just based on economics. But, you know, not a guy who spent the whole season. First, he was terrible. Then he couldn't walk. Then he was out for the year. I mean, you're not talking about... Age is going to play a big factor in this in this in free agency. You know, younger guys are going to be able to command bigger money than. Have you guys? Yeah. Have you guys? Yeah, taken Bazemore, Bazemore. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of guys. I'm oh, sorry to cut you God. off, Brian. Well, there's going to be a lot of guys that get max contracts that are not max players. See, I think uh, the, young, the younger guys are going to get the years. I think that what you're going to also see is a bunch of teams that can't attract free agents because they're Milwaukee or where you know wherever and um, they're just going to have to spend to get to the floor, so they're going to just dole out one-year deals uh, that are going to inflate the market. That's kind of what I see happening um, just organically because you're going to have this money to spend. you got to get to this number, so why not add talent? I mean, unless you're the Sixers, which obviously their process is superior to the rest of the league, yeah, they might correct. not spend it because they're tanking because they need to get more picks. But other than them, um, like, why are you not going to just bring in guys on one-year deals and, and then reset the next year? And like, guys, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I was going to switch switch subjects. So go ahead, finish. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Because I was just speaking to guys on one year deals. How bad is LeBron going to get skull drug in these finals? I mean, my petty is returned full blast. Like, I want him to lose. I want him to lose badly. You so, if you saw him crying on that podium, like I'm telling you, every terrible feeling I had about LeBron came rushing back to me as he fake cried about bringing Cleveland to another finals. Yeah. I mean, there's a site that I like to use for uh, numbers called number fire. And they, they basically had the chance. They said the series shouldn't really be close that golden States got close to a 75% chance of winning. And the most likely scenario is golden state in five, which is, it just reminds me of when the Heat got killed by the Spurs, where we were all like, "No, it's not gonna. It's gonna be close. We're good." And then they just wrecked us. I think it's gonna be similar to that. I uh, there isn't a big guy besides Thompson that I would trust on the floor for Cleveland uh, that could defend. I mean, Fry and Love can obviously shoot, but that's all they can do. And it, man, Kyrie's it, gonna have a tough. I mean, he's probably gonna get hurt again chasing uh, Curry around some screens. So. He was already hurt last year. He's trying to chase around Lowry. It's yeah. funny because uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, Lou said that the game plan is to um, keep up with them offensively, which I think is an interesting thing that they're going to try to pull off, uh, which means that they're going to have to shoot threes the way that they did at their very best for an entire seven-game series to even make that remotely possible. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm just envisioning uh, – the, the kill shot being they go to the death lineup and who the hell is Kevin Love going to guard in those pick and roll scenarios? He's going to get switched off onto guys that he, I mean, he's going to be just spinning around, confused, looking like a bitch. Um, and <laughs> like, I can't wait. I can't, can't wait, wait. And I'm, I'm going to be just <laughs> cheering in front of my TV. It's just, it's going to be and That's glorious. what pisses me off. Kevin Love is going to get benched for defensive purposes and people had the gall to compare him to Chris Bosh. Like, I don't remember Chris Bosh ever getting benched for defensive purposes. Dwayne Wade never got benched for defensive purposes. I mean, Kyrie and Love are sitting on the bench at the end of close fourth quarters because they can't trust him on defense. 
Like that whole that whole narrative of uh, Irving and Love being anywhere near Bosch and Wade, it was so overplayed. Especially when you look at what happens during tight games. Where where are those guys? Right. I mean, half the time Love Love can't get in the game during in a close game in the fourth quarter. That's when I was. That's when I was told it was that LeBron leaving was a basketball decision. I said, "Look me in my face, dog," because that's <laughs> just crazy talk. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Harrison. <laughs> no, I just it it is crazy. St- like still, it's 2016. There's been we we we've all watched a lot of basketball in our years, and people still really can't qu- quantify defense. So, you know. When you make that trade, when you give away Andrew Wiggins, who's still a young guy, you know, figuring it out, like he's gonna he's gonna be a good player for a long time on both sides of the court. Uh, Clay Thompson's a really really good two way player, uh, and they're just things that people weren't really thinking about when they were talking about trading for Kevin Love. And it's why when people when you get mad at Winslow because you know he airballs a three pointer. He's going to get better offensively. His yep. defensive skills are things that you can't teach to people. Nope. Um, they're just things that have been ingrained in him since he started playing basketball. And they're things that you can use as a weapon. When you have a guy that can guard anyone on the court, like what Andre Iguodala can do to any def- to any uh, person on Cleveland is amazing. What he did down the stretch to KD and whoever else he was guarding is something that not a lot of teams have, and it's why they're on teams that win championships. Uh, because these guys are special talents, and even if their offensive game isn't exactly, you know, where you'd want it to be for for some of these athletes, their ability to shut down the other team's score is huge. And Cleveland doesn't have a guy like that. Like they had a they had an entire season to get ready for this matchup. They had the entire offseason to figure out how are we gonna, and they did nothing. They nope. grabbed Channing Fry, who's listen and Mo Will. Channing Fry is an amazing shooter. <laughs> And Mo Williams is no, amazing. Yeah, Channing Fry is an amazing, amazing shooter in the first three quarters. Like it wasn't me or any time in the fourth quarter that guy had to hit a shot, had to make a shot. Yeah. He completely bricked it. Yeah, I mean, no that's man. That, yeah, and just, it, their whole team is front runners. That's the other thing that that if you, you watch these playoffs, they when they get off to good starts, they look great. They hit shots. I even heard some crazy statistic that Kevin Love, like when he makes his first shot, he shoots some ungodly percentage higher than when he misses his first shot he's like down in the low 30s um <laughs> those guys are they're complete front runners um and it's going to be fun to watch them not be in position to front run and to see how they respond to that because last year the Cavs and LeBron got a big pass because Kyrie got hurt after you know and I think it was the end of game one and then Kevin Love didn't play at all so it was LeBron's look at what the Herculean effort by LeBron James and the scrappy identity we found but now they got these guys and and Lou's talking about outscoring Golden State like, be careful what you, you know, plan to go in there and do because you might just get shot up. Yeah, okay. they want to out Golden State, Golden State. I, I think that's a ridiculous strategy. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, guys. Um, what do you guys think if, say, LeBron does lose another finals appearance? That would be what, four? He'd be four and he'd be two and four in the finals or two, two and five? Two, two and five. And it'll be, what, back to back against Stephen Kerr if he loses this finals? And Curry would be two and zero himself, beating LeBron in the finals. What do you think his legacy goes on from there? And do you think Stephen Curry kind of trumps him, you know, for uh, maybe third, fourth best all time? Ooh. Too early, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not ready to put Steph there yet. But personally. you don't think no, he could keep going? No, but it, you don't no, think he it, keep it's it going? Interesting, it's an interesting discussion because, you know, they're always saying, oh, who's the best in the league? And, you know, whether it's Steph or LeBron, you know, you can you can debate it. LeBron's obviously still a force in the league, but, um, you know, what does he do when they lose? It, well, yeah, I think they're going to lose. I, I want to sound confident, but then I, as I said it, I got a little scared. But you don't think um, he's accomplished more individually as a player? I mean, he's already been no, the but, first United but listen, like, They gave all that big money this offseason to a lot of guys that can only do it on one end of the court. So there's not a lot of improvement there. Um, you know, they can try to trade love if they want, but. I'm not sure exactly what you're getting back for Kevin Love. I mean, but that's the discussion, right? We assume LeBron would probably stay, and they'd start talking about what do we do with Love? Um, you know, what do we do with – what do you do with Fry? Like, they have all these guys with pretty big contracts, and really they have no money to improve. They'll have they'll have the mid-level exception, but they, – yeah, they're going to – they're going to they're gonna gut that out. team if he loses. They're going to gut that team. And then all that stuff is all the, this is the most help LeBron ever had is going to look pretty damn stupid when, you know, you're staying at a team where all he has left is Amon Shumpert and J.R. Smith. Yeah, there's way too many former Knicks on that team. I just thought they're, they're losing. That's way too much. Yeah. You got Fry, you got, got Shumpert, you got J.R. Smith. That's way too much stupid on one team. I was going to go ahead and, and, and correct Alf because he said. If he loses, I think he meant to say when they lose because Correct. that team is going to get shredded on defense. It's They're going to get shredded. What, did anybody see what happened to Ennis Cantor? Because I forgot that he played for the Thunder. That man disappeared. They Seven minutes per game court. after game yeah, three? They couldn't play him. And he's and infinitely um, more has more lateral quickness to get around screens than Kevin Love. I mean, Kevin Love is a Capri son, man. <laughs> he's Capri uh. done. Yeah, yeah. Is that Kev- a rib shot? Oh, yeah, Kevin Love almost got hurt earlier. I forgot who they were playing. He tripped over the ref. He was almost out. I mean, those guys, those guys are really—they're just—they're made of tissue paper, man. I'm just like they stepped the wrong way. So, uh, am I it, out of? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just—I both of them like. Yeah, if we had Kyrie and Love, it's like listen. The only reason yeah, the series was close last year is because you found a really good di- defensive identity. They slowed the see, game that's down a lot. People, people clown me for saying the best thing that happened to them last year was Irving and Love going out, man. Like, because they just, they took that series right into the mud. They slowed it down. Delhi was taking out people's knees. Like, yeah. that's that's the way to play Golden State. Yeah. Like, that's and what Leif he, is saying. Like, this clown talking about he's going to outscore Golden State. Yeah, go ahead and try, bro. You look pretty <laughs> damn stupid. I it, my bad, my bad. What's that? No, I was just saying, uh, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I think if you're a Warriors fan, you got to be super confident at this point. And we are, we're temporary Warriors fans right now. But <laughs> you got to be confident. My de facto, think, yeah. Yeah, the Thunder were the, I think the Thunder were the harder matchup for the Warriors because now when you go against the Cavs, uh, you bring up all these defensive problems that we've been talking about. Uh, and and it's just, if you're going to play the similar, like like Leif said before, uh, Ty Lue talked about um, the Cavs trying to outplay the Warriors at their game. That's not going to happen. The, the Cavs aren't going to shoot uh, 60% from three every game. And the, the whole thing with, oh, you bring Kyrie and Kevin Love and you have a better chance, you, you went to six without them. Yeah, that helps when it comes to scoring relief because maybe you don't want LeBron trying to score every single time down for fatigue purposes and things like that. And, and they can help with scoring relief. But they're going to get forced off the floor if the Warriors start attacking those two specifically like they should because it's going to be hard. If they, the Cavs don't, 
go absolutely on fire like they did the past three rounds for the most part, they're going to get destroyed. They need to have a, a crazy series for that. I mean, you saw what ha- Go ahead. I'm just saying, how funny is it to think, like, if you look at the Cavs roster and you say, like, so take LeBron out of the equation and you say, who would be the best person to defend Steph Curry? I'd probably go, what, Shumpert or Della Vadova? Dude, and Shumpert's defense is overrated as hell, dude. So so put one of those guys on on Steph because that's the best option they got. Who the hell is going to guard Klay Thompson? J.R. Smith? Yep. Yeah, and so, so let's, and let's say yeah. no. Shump is the right is the right answer to that question. So you've got um, Matthew guarding Steph, and you've got Shump on Clay. So your starting backcourt is already on the bench, and yeah. then <laughs> Draymond is at the five in the death lineup with Andre Iguodala and and who's the uh, who am I? I'm missing somebody extremely obvious. Um, Barnes. 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 Although they've been kind of shying away from him, which is an interesting restricted free agent tactic. Um, but they don't want to get him the ball sometimes. Um, like, I, I just look around and I'm like, who the hell? Who the hell on the Cavs is going to defend those guys? LeBron can guard all of them, but he can't do it at the same time. And he doesn't want to do it anymore. They tried last yeah. year. No. That's yeah, but that, that's what I think. You know, even if all right, so you, you know, you you get a matchup you like maybe, but. You know, Iguodala won the MVP, the Finals MVP last year. Not just because of what you know, he definitely uh, caused LeBron to be fairly inefficient. But he was he was pretty good offensively in the Finals. Uh, he was hitting some big shots. I mean, I know they tried the man. I really don't want a lot of hack a hack a shack in the Finals, but oh. um, yeah, I hope they get rid of that in the off season. But um, yeah, I mean, he's they just got some. They got a lot of players that can do things. Um, that Livingston dunk was really impressive last game. I'm I'm real happy for that guy. You know, I'm I'm glad that he gave him a chance after that big injury and he's he's doing things for the Warriors. They just they just have a nice squad. They got a lot of guys uh, that are unselfish, that can really shoot and it's going to be tough to win a, you know, I feel like you got to win a couple games in um in Oakland to win the series. I think That's you got to win two happen. and I think you got to win two because I think I think um, the Warriors win one in Cleveland. They're going to so, get one. You're right, right Harrison. Right. Yeah. So if you just so if you think about that, yeah, because they've I think that, you know the Heat have the most impressive streak of winning road games and playoff series, but I think Golden State's done it in the last ten series now. So you know that to win two in Oakland against a team of that caliber, um, the, I, the Cavs. That's just the, it's tough. Their best chance is if Draymond still playing like a bum. He, I mean, he needs to be careful, man, because, he, I mean, that arm toss he did on Adam. Well, I listen, mean, if he's going to do that, take LeBron out. I mean, if you're not going to shoot well, <laughs> shoot well, you're going to make right. a bunch of bad decisions. At least when, you, you know, when you're pulling one of your dirty stunts, at least have it be on LeBron. A nice, nice, clean clothesline, you know, a back, a backhand, uh, you know, a spinning back elbow, all, all within the confines of the game. I'm not that petty, I, you know, but... Uh, yeah, but if he continues to play uh, the way he has, that's so. I mean, I think that's the only chance Cleveland has. But like Harrison was saying, they have so many other guys that can do things. Um, where if Draymond continues to play like crap, I mean, you see what they did to the Thunder, and Draymond didn't even have a good series. Yeah, see, I, I think it's interesting because I mean, obviously it's hindsight now, but 
the NBA really should have suspended Draymond for game four because he, I mean, he's getting away with a lot of stuff. I know one more flagrant and he gets the automatic suspension anyway, but um, he's just doing things that are, he's going to hurt someone, which I don't really, I don't care so much uh, if on the Cavs, but he's going to hurt somebody <laughs> and, and it's just not going to be a good look for the league when they had a chance to, I mean, he's, he, yo, he's Kung Fu fighting out there. I hear that song <laughs> in my head every time he goes to the and basket. He's, he's going to give the Cavs some excuse for when he takes out some, when takes, uh, when he takes out Kevin Love with a clothesline or something. Right. And then the Cavs are going to have another excuse of why they that, why they lost the series. That that is one advantage, though. If Draymond does kick Kevin Love in the midsection because he has absolutely nothing there, it's not going to impact him. So that is one advantage that we can give to Cleveland in this series. So he's he's Draymond proof. Correct, because he's a Ken doll. Yeah, because Stephen Adams is a descendant of the Dothraki. That guy is. Uh, I mean. I heard Stephen Adams was 22. I think I heard today. Yeah, and yeah, that's a damn right. Youngest, youngest and, of 19. And, and, and this is going to be a hot take, but um, like a 22 year old Stephen Adams, there's a portion of me, and I'm blocked on Twitter by him, that would take him maybe over Whiteside. Am I crazy? Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Whiteside, Whiteside's better, but I, I think uh, Adams Adams' improvement over the last three years has been quite uh, quite big. I think he'd do better on a team that gave him the ball more, right? I mean, the problem be, the problem with these talented teams is if the guys don't know how to play together, you end up. That's what I mean. That's been the Thunder's mo for years. It's those two guys taking shots at the end of the games. They don't really get anyone else involved. It's complete hero ball, and. You know, so a guy like Adams, who had a really good series, is kind of just just standing around waiting for an offensive rebound. He gets so, froze out at the end of the game. So yeah, he's. I think he comes off the. I think the Thunder have everyone coming off the books next off season. I think it's like Serge mm-hmm. Westbrook, Stephen Adams. Maybe he's up for his waiters this season. And yeah, Serge waiters, is in twenty. Someone, someone will give waiters a max this off season. Someone's stupid. Ibaka yeah, isn't twenty six either, by the way. <laughs> what? <laughs> Abaka's like thirty eight. They, they said he's twenty six. That's a lie. Yeah, I know. And, and they said Biombo doesn't know how old he is, but uh, Biombo looks real old. Biombo's uh, same age as Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> they went to high school together. Yeah. I've seen pictures. Yeah, but Stephen Adams could be really good, man. He he was really impressive this series. And I think some of the things that we were talking about before with the Warriors and Draymond Green playing like a bum, which he kind of did relative to how it was uh, how he's been all season uh you could kind of attribute that to to the thunder again i think that was such that's the best matchup and i, I know i sound like a guy doing hindsight because they gave the warriors all these problems but it became more obvious throughout the series that the thunder are the hardest matchup for the warriors because of that because of them being able to counter the small ball with that with that lineup that i think was crazy good for the majority of the series with the at the five kd at the four so on and so forth you can do that plus you can play big and it still works. And I think, um, and you have guys, you have so many uh, good defensive players and guys you can keep on the floor versus the Warriors. Just a bunch of guys you can play for different situations. You have all this versatility. And I don't think the Cavs have that. And I don't think the Cavs are going to beat them at their own game. One of the things the Thunder had is they have two guys that no matter if they're on, no matter how well you're playing defensively, you can't stop him. They, when KD is on, you cannot stop Kevin Durant. 
Like there's not a defender in the league built to stop him if he if he is on and he's in rhythm and he wants to score. And same thing with Russell Westbrook. Like when he is on, there is no stopping him. You can't keep him out of the paint. So they had two guys that just got who, who when they're hot, they're unstoppable. Like now, the Cavs have one of those guys. Yeah, the Cavs don't. Huh? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Right, that's another like, like Leif was saying. That's another front runner. Like, how many times down when the Cavs are down, do you see guys like Channing Fry, uh, J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, any of these guys hitting big threes to get them back into a game? They don't. Yeah. They always hit. You're up ten, and they put you up thirteen. Like that's what those guys are. You know, yeah, and then no, it's true. They're they're. When they're, you know, it's when they're up by 20 and they're splashing threes to make it 23, 26. But yeah, I mean, see, I think that the the thing, not, I don't think Kevin Durant is leaving the Thunder, but I think his evolution, if someone can get to him, is is like to become more efficient, to utilize his length defensively. Because what he decided to play some defense last series and he was causing all kinds of trouble for a while, right. which, um, you know, Durant's – when I used to watch Durant play, it was more – man, he was – I mean, Mario Chalmers was killing him defensively. They were trying to hide him yeah. on uh, Mario Chalmers in the finals in 2012, and, and Mario Chalmers just tore him to shreds. So, to me, his, his evolution is that he needs to play 80% of his minutes at the four. Yeah. I mean, it's and, and I think the only coach that can get him to do that is you-know-who. Yeah, and a yeah. big part of putting him at the Brad four Stevens. is being, <laughs> Who said that? Was that Alex? Humberto said it. Oh. Um, but no, like having Justice Winslow so we could say to him, look, I know you're going to be at the four and you might not want to bang, but we have a three that can do that all day right. and like actually relishes that opportunity. Um, I, I just, I know that Bosch situation is, is so up in the air and Hassan is obviously more of the future, but I think about a Bosch Durant Winslow front court defensively, um, uh, you know, provided that Durant, you know, kind of learned, learned the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you will. There's a lot of potential there. Let's talk about the Bosch situation really quick since we got an update from Barry Jackson this weekend. So obviously we found out that the Heat and Bosch were coming up with some kind of way to get him back on the floor by taking blood thinners in the morning like it's that, that was an insane is, plan German doctors <laughs> yeah that A-Rod Sorry, doctor down in Miami like when Kobe went to Germany for the you know to, to get the stuff on his knee and um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that different from what we already knew. That Bosch really wants to come back and play. It's just really dangerous to put a guy on the court when knowing that any type of like any type of contact, if if he falls getting a rebound and hits his head, if he hits any part of his body, that's really dangerous for a guy who's had two clots in two years. So I was told over the weekend that he's still on thinners, completing a six month cycle, and that and that basically. They are hoping that by the time fall rolls around, he can come off the thinner safely and prepare for the season just like he did last year. Um, so well, what I, they I do mean, all I, the flights and all that, those are the things that's that uh, that are worrying me. Like the the and that, and that's why when I hear those things from credible people, sometimes I think about what would be the company line from the Heat when they talk to these people that, that, that are plugged in. And I think it would probably some, be something along the lines of what I just said, 
because of all the things that Harrison is about to mention uh, that make it such a murky situation as to why they wouldn't have already cleared him um, or, right. you know, why there's been so much uncertainty. So, Lace. sorry, I, I didn't mean to hit you, Harrison. No, 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 no. Miami Heat insider right there. My. Yeah, you have, you have more info than I do. So, you know, definitely bring the info when you have it. I, I just think I, I just think the risks are still large. I, I don't think anything's really changed. And man, I get mad at that guy. I know you got pissed at him, uh, Uptown Report the other day, but he's annoying when, when it's just like none of us know anything. Um, we we ha- we do. All of us have some some amount of common sense. So you know, some more than others. So when you hear, you know, what you know the basic of Bosch's Bosch's situation, and you know the risks associated with it, and you know. Um, you know, as Alice has written a good article before where Spo was right there the last time um, the college player died from uh, – it was a stroke on the court, right? And he hey, and he yeah, ended up passing – yeah. Henry Gatters. So, you know, the last thing – the Heat want Bosch to play if he's healthy. He's, he's arguably still their best player. Um, he brings something to the game that no one else, that really no one else, Bosch is arguably the best pick and roll defender in the NBA. So that's a huge piece that you're missing when, when we were getting, we were getting hurt by pick and rolls in the last two playoff series. So if there was a safe way to put Bosch on the court, he would have been on the court. The issue is that why are they taking a risk when, um, and I think what you're saying, one of the things you're saying, Harrison, is that, no matter what, like Leif is saying, if he comes off of a blood thinner six-month cycle, right, um, there's always, always going to be a risk of recurrence. And from everything I've read, everything I've heard, everybody I've talked to, that's the biggest problem. Right now, the problem is he's on. if he's on blood thinners, he can't play. He gets a laceration. He could bleed out on the court. All right, now you're off blood thinners. Okay, so that maybe that that risk is gone. But the risk of a recurrence will always be there. And then a third recurrence is like, like, like Lebertard always says is catastrophic. Um, and that's what I've heard from other people. If he could, if he gets another blood clot, it could be life threatening, like the first two already were, especially the first one. So that risk, like, I don't know how you get rid of that risk. Yeah. That, like I guess- He's susceptible to blood clots. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what else you say at the end of the day, a guy who's gotten two blood clots in two years is by definition susceptible to blood clots. Yeah. Like I was reading, I forget what it might've been in Barry's article. If he gets kicked in the calf, <laughs> like in, in the course of a game, like how many times is Wade by Draymond? In the knee? Yeah. I mean, Draymond, he, he could be charged with murder after a, a game against <laughs> Bosch. Like, yeah. That's what of like the risk is always going to be there, and like, and I, I, and that's part of why I wrote the article, shameless plug, to leave him home because you want to, you want to minimize the risk. But even if you leave him home, he can get kicked in the in the ear. Like it doesn't matter. Like I don't, I as much as I want Bosch to play, like I just don't, I just don't see it, and like maybe Uptown's right. There are things we don't know. Of course, there are things we don't know. But man, the the basics of this argument say that Bosch cannot continue to play professional basketball. What happened to Steven Stamkos, that that Tampa Bay Lightning player? Didn't he play with a blood clot surgery? Like not even fifty six days until he played that game seven, like last last weekend, right? Yeah, but they don't they don't care about people in hockey, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand what what happened. No, people there. get flipped up and the skate cuts their neck, and they're like, yeah, nobody hey, it's just. 
Yeah, no one cares. It's a different those, culture, those... and like those guys assume those risks, and it's different. And and honestly, like as messed up as this is, like we don't know what that guy looks like. Like the guy that you just named, whatever his name was, I I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, and most people couldn't either. Whereas Chris Bosh, you like you you know that guy and that that kind of thing. The NBA has more on the line. Um, I mean, the Stanley Cup Final Game One. There's fourteen thousand tickets sold, and they were three thousand shy of a sellout at Game One of the damn final. So it's like it's just a different element with those hockey guys. Um, and uh, yeah, like Harrison said and Alf said, I don't see what's going to change. I just recently heard more optimism than I had had been hearing for a long time but I don't know if that's just let's keep people with the pacifiers in their mouths until the fall yeah and that, I guess that's the thing that I'm confused about everyone seems so confident and I always like my unicorns and rainbow expression but there, nothing has changed uh, in the two years since uh, Bosch has had this or the year and a half since Bosch has had this blood clot um you know, it's it, they basically he he was on thinners. He went off. He played. He got another blood clot. He's back on thinners. So there's no reason to think that he will stay clear of of them again. And it's more it's a catch twenty two, right? If he's on thinners, he can't play because that's really dangerous. And if he's off thinners and he gets another clot, then and the problem is like. These clots don't – I think what happens is people think the clots form and they know about them right away, right? The, the reason why they found the clot the first time is because it had traveled up to his lungs and he couldn't breathe. Yeah, uh, it almost and, killed him. That's why right. they found it. Right. And so the second so the second time I'm sure it was just – it was an injury and they were like, we should get this checked out because he's had one before and they were ready. But, uh, these, you know, these aren't things that – there's, there's going to be no way to uh, – to prevent them from happening, it, it's going to be it's going to be luck if they if they don't come back, and it's going to be bad luck if they do. And I, I'm still I still think the Heat should somehow talk him into retirement. I know I know that's a terrible thing to to take someone's livelihood away from them. And lucky, I agree. And lucky for Bosch, he signed a big contract where if this is the end of his playing career, he and his family should be perfectly fine. Uh, with that money, but it's not always about the money. It's about he wants to, he wants to continue to play with his uh, with the ability and talent he's been given. And this is kind of, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's upsetting uh, for for himself, for his family, for the fans. You know, a well, guy in, think, the pri- in the prime of his career wants to keep playing, and he's not able the, to. But the one thing you have to be confident about is that if he does step on the court for the Heat. They the, the risk is really minimal. Like no nobody's risking Chris Bosch's life to play basketball. So game one, if Chris Bosch is out there, like we could all feel pretty confident. I, I think we should all like be breathe a sigh of relief, feel pretty confident that whatever's going on is no longer life threatening, or they feel like they have it in, under control. Because I don't think because I don't think otherwise he's going to play. I don't. I think if they don't feel like. 100% confident that they have this thing under control, that if another blood clot surfaces, they catch it early, any of that stuff. Like, if they don't feel like they have it under control, he will not play again. I also feel like 
if they think that if there's any chance of this recurring and him missing another half a season, they're not going to let him play just for salary cap purposes. Cause like we all know, once he steps on the floor, that starts that clock over and it's another year before that his numbers come off the books. So I feel like we all can be pretty confident that if he steps on the floor, it's because Chris Bosch can play a full season. Uh, I tend to agree with that sentiment. I don't think that's going to happen. No, go Uh, ahead. I tend to agree with that sentiment. I think the Heat have the most information. They have, they know everything a lot more than 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 we do. And that if he steps on the floor, they're pretty confident that nothing too crazy is going to happen. I read somewhere though that um, preseason doesn't count towards that that clock that you mentioned. Um, so would there be the chance that the Heat trot him out in a preseason game with obviously some amount of confidence? That it wouldn't be the defining like if he plays that in in his first three preseason games, his first preseason game, that it would be that it would lead to him playing towards the whole season. It could be sort of like a test run. But that's I just not feel like yeah, running. getting a clot is so random and it's so um, like a three game sample size that could go great. Another fifty games could go great. Another eighty two games could go great. But eventually, um, you know, like it, it's just the risk is going to be there. And that's why I think ultimately the Heat should not clear him to play. Um, but it, it, it is it, there's an interesting part of this. Like what if Bosch says, I am not retiring. I'm not going to retire. And that is that. So I will sit on your books and you will pay me and I'll be a good soldier in the locker room. But I am not retiring. What do you do in that scenario? Then you have to trade him. Because obviously he wants to play. Yeah, but nobody's going to take him. But if no team in the league will clear him, because they say if the Heat won't clear him and then we do, we look like the absolute then, worst. Then you buy him out. That, that's that's the last. Yeah, that's the last resort. You have to buy out his contract. But he has to agree to a buyout. That's true. Then you wave him. <laughs> wave him and stretch him. I mean, yeah. like. I, I I don't think it's going to get that messy, but you've heard the word messy when people who are way smarter than any of us and more plugged in than any of us talk about how this could be. Dan has talked about it a lot, um, and then he kind of he pivoted away from it all of a sudden. But um, I, you know, it's an interesting thing there because uh, also if he um, doesn't want to retire and we do waive him uh, or. Uh, I, I just don't it, – it's just a really tough situation to figure mm-hmm. out how the hell they're going to handle it. That's like a yeah, six, I, seven million dollar cap it every single year for like probably 10 years almost. It's more. It's more. more. Is it's it more higher than that? that. Yeah. It's like 15 yeah. million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I forgot what I read from Albert Random, but I, I remember yeah. seeing that. He he stretch, he stretch it, it, the stretch version is over five years. So you take whatever you buy them out for divided by five. Oof. and the, Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. It's just – uh, Bosch is so adamant that he wants to play. They either come up with the solution where the the Heat doctors feel comfortable doing it, or yeah, I don't think I don't know what Bosch is going to do if the Heat say, you know, if the Heat doctors say we can't clear you, and he says, "Well, I want to play." What is he going to do? No other team would play him, right? So I think that's what happened. If, if, what's that? Except Sacramento. Sacramento will play him. No, I, so. I mean. <laughs> if 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 the heat doctors which are uh, a very well known and good medical staff say we don't feel comfortable no one else is going to be like taking that risk so it's basically you know 
Bosch can either enjoy his money or I don't know. I mean, I'm. I mean, it's a fully guaranteed think, contract, so you can't try and. Uh, I think what would happen is if if he if if he if the Heat tell him he can't, they they will not clear him. He'll probably put feelers out there to the rest of the league, who will you know who will give me a shot to play, oh. um, and he's going to get no's across the board. I would think because if if one team doesn't clear him, he there's no other team that's going to say okay yeah come play for us and have that. Not just uh, if something bad happens, they don't want that on their heads. And then also, if if you allow if you allow him to play after another team went to clear him, you look even worse if something bad happens to Bosch. So it's funny, I, guys, I, he's not gonna. If he if he retires and we applied for the injury exclusion to get his salary off the books, and uh, a year went by and he was able to establish that he was completely blood clot free and not on thinners or, or however that played out. I think I read that if he were to go to another team and play 25 games, his salary would immediately come back onto our books. Did I, did I read that correct? Has anyone else read yeah. that? I think yeah. I read something similar. I'm just not sure how that works if, let's say, you're near the, you're near the cap. Like they just put $25 million back on the books. Yeah, and you just pay and, the tax. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not... I don't know. It's a, it's a really it's really difficult. I mean, um, it might be the most complex situation I've ever encountered in sports in my thirty four yeah. years I mean, of thinking about these kind of scenarios. Honestly, honestly, hopefully yeah. by then maybe Mickey would negotiate the next CBA to kind of find another loophole for them. <laughs> oh, right, that's, right? that's interesting. <laughs> you got a you got a year to play out, and then you gotta you gotta get a new CBA. So, all right, boys. Um, any final thoughts? Maybe on the series itself, you guys want to do last predictions? Yeah, Gianni prediction radio. Prediction radio so Just give out, it. give out, uh, give out your series. Who wins the series and how many games? Warriors in five. Yeah, my brain says Warriors in five, but I think it'll. I think it's going to be Warriors in six, and they'll end it in Cleveland again, which is better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leif. Yeah. I want Warriors in six. I think that they're probably going to do it in five, but I want it. I want it to be six because that's an extra game of watching Kevin Love clueless on the court, and also it would be like Harrison said, celebrating on Cleveland's home floor, which is yeah. just and, glorious. And Steph Curry is the best player from Akron, Ohio. So Ooh, Warriors in three. <laughs> so they can end it in Cleveland, and Anderson Varejao can get him can hold that trophy up. Oh. <laughs> that was that was going to be the sweetest thing about whoever went to the finals because it was either going to be Dion Waiters or Anderson Varejao getting a ring <laughs> in LeBron's face, and that's just amazing to me. But, and Wade, yeah. Waiters knew LeBron was going back before Dwayne Wade, Udonis, Riley, and Bosh. But be yeah. grateful. Yeah. All right, that's guys. Cool. It was a definitely a wonderful podcast without Gianni. I don't want this to happen again. I do. <laughs> no, we were fine. We had a rough start. Yeah, you I think I stopped talking again.